Hello there. Welcome back. Yes, it's me, it's Paul, it's your boy. I'm back once again with another episode of Beyond the Studio. And today I'm joined by, well, it's not every day you get to say that you were joined by a bona fide professional sports person who used to drive Formula One cars for a living. But you know, today's that day. I've been joined today by Jamie Algaswari, who used to drive Formula One cars for the likes of Toro Rosso, Red Bull, and also is still active in motorsport in karting and comes from a family of motorsport enthusiasts and drivers and also is a deep lover of dance music because he also produces and DJs and has done for a number of years under the name Squire and is absolutely brilliant. He's had releases on the likes of All Day I Dream and Tribes Of and everything else. So yeah, very accomplished in multiple different aspects of life. So I was super curious when the opportunity came up for me to talk to Jamie, having been a massive Formula One fan in the past, in like the 90s, late 80s, when I was a kid, banging to Nigel Mansell, Ayrton Senna, Damon Hill, Jacques Villeneuve, Michael Schumacher, of course, Mika Hakkinen, Eddie, um, Eddie Irvine, all big, big, big heroes of mine in motorsport. And just what it was like to kind of make that transition, no pun intended. But what the similarities are, believe it or not, between music production and motorsport, Formula One and music making, being in the studio, that kind of thing. And it turns out there actually is a hell of a lot of overlap because, you know, you're trying every day to get better. You've got to do your hours. You've got to put your hours in in testing in a Formula One car. You've got to put your hours in in the studio to get better at, you know, expressing yourself and a whole host of other things that we talk about and it's it's fantastic because he's also releasing on labels like Salador, Big Up Steve Paddy and Mr Dave Seaman if you're listening to this and we had a good chat about that as well and just how strange it is that two people from such different backgrounds can have such similar points of view on so many things. So this is a wicked conversation and literally only just happened this morning and I wanted to really put this out there because, you know, the last few episodes of Beyond the Studio have been wicked with Braxton, you know, with Rashi the Jami and now with Squire. And we're already going from strength to strength in terms of the guests that we are bringing onto the podcast and working on for you at the moment. So if you do have any any requests on what kind of guests you would like to have on the podcast, let me know. Drop me an Instagram DM on either Paul Nolan Sound or at Make You Are Transition. I'm also available on Facebook, all that good stuff. And yes, I'm going to hand things over now to my conversation with Squire, a.k.a. ex-Formula One driver and all-round interesting human being, Jamie Algaswari. Enjoy. Hello, Jamie. How are you, sir? Very good. Very good. Thank you for, for, for this little talk. I'm super excited. Thank you, man. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to meet you. I mean, I was just saying about, you know, just before we started recording that I'm something of a, I'm a, I'm a four, I would, I would call myself like a bit of a lapsed Formula One fan. I was so into it when I was a kid, like, you know, Nigel Mansell, Ayrton Senna. Uh, I went to the British Grand Prix in 1997, uh, where I saw Damon Hill win his first point for Arrows. That was the year after he won the championship and okay. then he moved teams. 
And that that kind of blew my head off. But as the years have gone on, I've just I don't know. Maybe it's just me getting older. But I've just found I found it less engaging these days. Yeah, which I agree. you know, <laughs> as a, as as a as, as a British guy, I should really you know wash my mouth out considering what Lewis is doing. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It's as it's yeah. it's kind of for, it's fallen by the wayside a little bit for me these days, unfortunately. But you know. It is what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, Formula One has changed a lot through the years. I completely understand your point of view. Um, the 90s were the magic area of and the magic period of Formula One. It was a shame, actually, that they've changed the rules so much. People really mm. think the audience don't really understand anymore what's going on with this hybrid era. Um, the sound changing so much. The cars are not really sounding as they were in the past. Mm-hmm. That's something All looking right. Yeah, so that's something mm-hmm. like very important for the sport, for the drivers, for the audience, for everyone. You know, I think mm-hmm. because you know the sound is music, and V10, V8 engines were music at that that time. So you know, I I, I was not really happy when that happened, and then obviously you need. You need technology to win. You need technology to be in the front. Uh, Motorsports, it's all about technology. It's a very different sport from tennis or golf, but still pretty cool. And and it would be nice if things would be more balanced and there would would not be so much of a difference between cars, of course. Mm. So let's see Mm. what's going on in the future. Exactly. Exactly, but we're not here to talk about Formula One. We're here to talk sure, about music, exactly. right? <laughs> but but it's but it's interesting though because you know I thought when this kind of came up, this opportunity to speak to you, my mind instantly went to what are if there are any similarities between Formula One and music and like music production in general, right? Where you know you were talking before we started recording about like you know. Um, feeling the music in a certain way and you know knowing that like you had a certain emotional reaction when you played a certain track and things like that and my mind goes to well is that the same when you're like in a car and you can like feel the road underneath you you can feel the car in a particular way and that brings out certain emotions and stuff as well I'm just really interested in whether or not there's been any sort of like shared skills that you've had from your time as a race driver that you've been able to take into music or has it been completely separate for you yeah absolutely i think they have a lot in common actually i think both of them are an art uh, what what i fall in love for music um is because i have the possibility to create i have the freedom to create whatever i feel at the time and obviously, technology nowadays gives you those tools, amazing tools, to create on whatever direction you want. Something that was not as easy, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. But racing to the highest level and probably driving to the highest level, whether it's a go-kart or a touring car or Formula One, it's also an art to make that perfect lap and match every single corner and you know that you've not left a half a tenth behind you and you've matched that perfect lap, it's an art. And obviously there is technique behind, like music. You need technique in order to improve and and be good at something. So this takes time and a lot of effort and, and hours of, of work, hard work. But um, I would consider this is an art. I would consider 
um, when something emotional, I'm a very emotional person, that's why I call it this way, because when something like really inspires you, like driving or making music, when you hear a sound, a certain frequency or, you know, something that really is calling inside you, then you are giving your very best for it. You are, you have a commitment to that. You are motivated behind that idea. So that inspiration comes from both music and basically from whatever you do in life. I think it's really important to be inspired, to feel inspired. Otherwise, it's very difficult to give your very best on whatever you do. So I think that's what, um, that's probably one of the most related and comparable things I feel between both. Mm. Mm. That's super interesting. And, you know, again, on the, on the outside, they don't look related at all. But like yeah. you say, they're both art forms in their own way. And I think that's, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Because, you know, if you think about the drivers that we have, you know, elevated to like sort of godlike status, like the Ayrton centers of this world, so to speak, like they, they drove really emotionally, like Ayrton drove primarily with his emotions. Yeah. And then when you think about it from a, a DJ standpoint, you know, we often think of the artists who make us feel those emotions in those moments and actually like display those emotions a lot as well while they're performing. So predominantly the art form is driven by like human emotion, which I think is a, is a lovely thing, you know, and it's the same in the studio as well. Like, I mean, I had a really interesting conversation with um, one of our members yesterday and it, and it shows you just about how we can get stuck in a kind of a creative kind of um, rut, so to speak. Because mm -hmm. I said to this guy, like, the, the number one thing you can do to actually make things a bit more inspiring in your studio is to take the chair out of your room and produce while you stand up. Because if you start to produce while you stand up, the likelihood is you're going to do something sooner or later that's going to make you dance. And if you're not making yourself dance in the room and feeling those emotions, how is it going to make anyone else feel that in yeah. the club? You know, of course. so it has to come predominantly from you, right? You know, yeah. that that's the way it has yeah. to be. I, I completely agree. Actually, it, it, you have a very good point in there. Um, emotions is what it's moving. It's what it's moving you, what it's moving the people. And you have to feel that not just in the studio. Um, and I always say, you know, not every day in the studio is, is a happy day. And um, sometimes you head to the studio and you're not really motivated to make music. What happened to me during the pandemic, I, I, I've written a whole album. And after I, I finished, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I have run out of ideas. I need a break. And that happens very oftenly, you know. So just don't, I feel like if I, put more energy in the studio on, on those moments and just losing time. It's nothing, it's gonna work. Um, whenever you are starting a project and you are not really feeling it or you're not really into it, it's better you leave it. So something happens very, so, something similar happens in racing when obviously racing depends not just on you. As I said before, it depends a lot on, in the car in the performance of the car. In, in, in Formula One, it depends in, in, in a lot nowadays in aerodynamics. So literally downforce, which gives you more grip level. And, and, and that gives you confidence under the braking zone, under traction, and obviously lap time and performance. Um, so it's not always depending on you, but 
what you have to fight through is is to have a, a, a good car balance, and um, and some some sometimes you just feel that you're in that zone that nobody can beat you, and something also happens when you play music. You know, you are maybe you know playing. I know for me, for me, and I guess for a lot of professional people in the music business like the, the music quality is super important so if you're in a booth and it's not sounding great i you know you have you have not the same connection with the crowd mm. maybe the energy of what you are playing every track sounds different in a different place so something similar happens in racing as i said so this connection and this energy that that you sometimes feel that you're in the zone and you're just okay i'm do, I, i'm killing it and you know inside you you're like it couldn't be better than that, you know. I'm yeah. I'm driving to the fullest. The car is doing exactly what I feel before heading into a corner. I know what the car is going, and I know how the car the, the the car is going to react and do. And and you know exactly that. Sometimes it's not happen every time when you play music, especially for DJs who play every single week three times. I don't know, but sometimes you know you have like that feeling and that connection that you feel that you're in the zone. And something magic is happening, and it's not happening. It's not happening very often. Mm. So no, absolutely, absolutely. And you just take me to those moments of like how you describe those moments, like in the car when you just know yeah. what's about to happen. And I really, I really miss that now from a gig perspective. Of um, you know, obviously none of us have really played any gigs for the last year or so, so we're all missing it, of course. Sure. But just those moments of you know, queuing up my next record in front of a full club of people and knowing, like, knowing that the next record I'm going to play is going to absolutely blow the roof off yeah, the place. Exactly. And you, you're just so confident and so certain in your choices that it becomes, like, almost automatic. Like, you're not thinking about it at all. It's all based on feel and yeah, and everything it, else. It know? comes automatic. And, and this happens... Mm -hmm. Um, when you drive a very competitive car with loads of grip, you can do whatever you you want. You're like, I know that next, whenever I put fresh tire on, I'm going to be P1. I'm going to be on pole because the car will allow me to drive in a certain way that I don't doubt myself that I will be braking at that place and I will be going on power in there and I, and I will hit the curb in turn five and the car will react in this certain way. So... You know, you expect things to happen to happen when you ever feel that you have that extra confidence in, mm. in the whole situation. You know, it's a circumstance of variables that come in a certain way and not always are happening because you cannot mm. always win. And come on, we have to be we have to be fair and and we have to be very um, you know, like we, we have to trust in ourselves, but we have to say that we not every gig is excellent. Not every club is sounding great. Not every crowd is amazing, like in Berlin. So, you know, it's it's important that we that we care about these special moments because those special moments are what what you will remember for a long time. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting though thinking about that perspective of setup, right? Because so much in motor racing is about the setup, and this driver's got the right setup, and 
they've got the car where they like it and it feels the way they want it to feel and they've got the right amount of grip and the right amount of downforce and you know they've got the right fuel loading and and, and you can see it when they go into the cockpit and the camera and it's like you know i thought before this episode i was going to call this from cockpit to dj booth and okay. it's like effectively like that is like a race car driver's like music studio in a way or it's their dj booth right and it makes me think about because i talk a lot about getting your creative environment like your studio set up in an optimal way i mean obviously acoustically so it sounds right but it's also a space that you feel comfortable in and it's a space that you feel like you can create in and you can kind of do your best work. So when you sort of set your own studio up, was it a similar kind of thing of a similar mindset to, right, I used to set cars up this way. I'm going to set my music studio up in a very similar fashion and be really meticulous about it to get it to a point where I know I can do my best work in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when you when we talk about sports to this level, and obviously, you know, between one driver and the other, there's like very little difference in terms of performance. Let's say two very high-end top drivers. Um, and when you've been training forever to be one of the best of the best. And, and, I, and I guess this is the same mentality in music. And I do believe, and I do strongly believe music is not a competition. You really compete mm-hmm. against yourself. You don't compete against the others because music is subjective. You know, you can feel that music or you can feel the other but it's not just thinking that one is better than the other you know it's, it's just different but I, I do have an again I, I do feel a lot of similarities in the way that I I head into the studio or I um, um, embrace my life in a certain way so routines like schedule times timings um for me are are crucial to be efficient to be uh better than yesterday and to improve my technique in in the studio and to improve my my feelings as a music producer as, as a person i need to do the breaks at the certain point i need to train hard in order to disconnect from the studio i need to sleep certain amount of hours I know if I don't do these things, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing the music I do, probably. And I and I feel like when you listen to someone's music, you are describing that whom, whomever made it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what I feel. I, when I, or at least for me, you know, I I listen to my music, and I describe myself in there, and I can see my. My good sides, my downsides, everything is is just in the music. So, so yeah, I mean, I definitely cut loads of um, things I used to do when I was racing and when I was a sports athlete. And still are, of course, because I, I'm still training hard and I'm I'm back into racing actually now. But um, but but but. This life somehow you 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 keep it for whatever you do next, and in this case, for me, is music producing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool, so cool to, to sort of hear that kind of thing. Of it, it's very similar to a lot of the advice that we give artists, which is you know again have a repeatable routine that is easy, that doesn't feel like too much like hard work. 
that you know you have the right amount of time to do all of these different things and it's and it's balanced at the end of the day but yeah. the thing that i i love the most of what you've just said is the fact that your music is by your own definition an extension of you mm. and that's always something that we're working on with people which is you know to help them understand that you know you have to value your music in a number of different ways because it is it is a representation of you not as a lot of artists are doing now and this is no criticism of anyone that i get the feeling that a lot of dance music is made these days in order to get people into a certain position within the industry that they would like to be in so mm. they're making what's trendy rather than what's actually in their heart yeah so to speak but the irony of that situation is that the music that is the most successful is the ones that come from the heart and are actually Absolutely. extensions of themselves yeah i completely agree on on that and Indeed, it happened to me a couple of times, like a certain label asks you for, for music or or even you try to to make um, a package of music for, for that label because you know that maybe it might be good for your career, that you would be maybe, you know, like having better, better shows or, you know, just expanding your life. And it just didn't work. It's insane, and, and it's it's nice for me to, to 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 say it because I've experienced that in the past. And whenever I try to work in the studio for something with with a goal of doing this to have a reaction in the crowd, it didn't work. Mm. It didn't really work. I I I don't I don't I underperformed actually because. Music is coming from from feelings, from the heart, and it, you don't have to have a goal. Actually, I mean, the goal is to enjoy, to have fun while you make this music, and then you will see what you do with it. You you might never release it, or you will keep it for years, and then someone will come to you because they've listened to this track in a show, and they will maybe try to release it somewhere else. But I don't think there must be a certain obsessive goal on 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 working in the studio for something. Mm-hmm. Um, just take it easy. That's my that's my advice to myself actually. And I and I keep on telling me every single day I work. I just do okay, even if I'm not following the trend or whatever everyone is expecting from me. I might do something different because I heard. I don't know, like UK's breakbeat, and I felt inspired this week by, by hearing this kind of groove and vibe. And now I'm really, I really would like to do a track with, yet like trying to go out of your comfort zone and trying to experiment with something else. But it might surprise you. That's what I'm talking about. No, absolutely absolutely now it's great and i love like again another thing we talked about briefly before we started recording was like your story about how you got into electronic music because i think a lot of people would be forgiven for thinking like oh this is this is something he's done after he finished in formula one right and actually that's not the case at all these two paths have been running parallel for well almost your entire life in a way yeah yeah, yeah. they've been going parallel to all my entire life and I would have, I mean, I, I couldn't really push my, like, I, I couldn't really start working 100% on music till I retired five years ago. 
So even, you know, because it, requ it requires a lot of time. If you want to do it well, and you want to make sure that, that you have the knowledge to make music and you somehow um, improve because you have a better understanding from the music industry, from how everything works, to improve your sound, your mix, your... There's a lot of work to do, and it just doesn't doesn't happen from one day to the other. I still, I still, I still study, and I still improve, um, and there's still a lot of margin of improvement. And I think that's the way you should look at things. And um, and as I said, it didn't really happen till I decided to retire my racing career five years ago, and decided to start my music seriously even though i was making music before it was not till the day i retired where i could feel right this is happening now so i have to put everything in the oven and go for it <laughs> yeah yeah super cool super cool and i love the story you told me just before we started recording as well about you know yeah. you guys like 19 years of age like you know ripping around in go-karts and stuff but you've got like a little dj booth at the side yeah. and stuff i just i love that i absolutely love that yeah it was it was it was part of a friendship relation and of course ibiza has always been in my heart because like it's where all started and uh, all my roots are in there and playing music with my friends still is something beautiful and nice playing for yourself even it's it's great um however i'm i'm when i discovered music making it was much more attractive for me than not really playing music of course it's always nice and now we are all dying to play music after the pandemic of course mm. but being in the studio creating a piece of music that you know or that somehow you you, don't, you might not know, but after a while when it gets released, um, you kind of know that it's working out and people are listening to it and they are enjoying it. You feel like fulfilled as a human being because you're like, wow, I, I, I've done something that people are caring about it and and, and and it's just generating that feeling that I felt and it didn't exist. So it's pretty cool. No, it is, man. It's amazing. I, I get this mental image in my mind of like, you know, yeah. those memes you see of like people making music in like inappropriate situations. Like yeah. I've got this idea in my head of like you sat at the side of like the, the garage in the F1 car and you've just got your laptop open instead of looking at like, you know, the telemetry, you're looking at Ableton instead, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I worked a lot with... Uh, with racing data, of course, you know there, there's a lot of work of work to do as a racing driver when you're not driving. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of work to do because it's not just about talent; it's also about understanding how to be quicker than your teammate, especially in Formula One when you don't really have. Whenever you don't really have a car to win, everyone is comparing you to your teammate because he's the one who's driving with you with your same uh, conditions. So. So obviously there's a lot of data, there's a lot of, of, of engineering that you have to understand. You can have you have to be an engineer actually to to make your car be quicker and understand mm -hmm. how aerodynamics work in a certain way, of course. And um, and driving styles. Obviously, normally you have a very, very quick teammate and it's very tough to beat. But um, yeah, working when you 
you know, when you're out of the helmet and you're out of the car, it's it's a very very important thing to mm. to do. Yeah, and and again, like you know, you were saying, you be, you're an engineer essentially in that case, and again, it's the same in music as well because you have to be in like an audio engineer to an yeah, extent. Yeah, I mean, well. as, as a certain extent, I don't actually mix my music because I've I've done it in a certain time, but I've decided the best thing sometimes is to give it to someone who's really dedicated into this and mm-hmm. somehow is going to extract something that maybe your eyes and your ears didn't really see before so i am i'm part of i am very happy because i matthew styles is like mixing all my music and i'm i'm super happy that that the job he's doing for me because it's it's like whenever i received uh, i received the music from him it's like sounding three-dimensional and i don't have a clue how he makes that so <laughs> well that's it i mean i think like you know artists do fall into one of two camps i mean i'm in the other camp i'm a complete control freak and like i like to you know take it from the very first kick drum right the way through to the final master like that's just my you know my curse basically like i have to do that that's just the way i am and then there's yeah. other artists who can hand it off to people quite comfortably and like you say you know someone like matthew for example can bring a an aspect that you might not have even considered before yeah. or heard before because you're so close to the music and you're so sort of emotionally sort of too close to it right you're so invested yeah. in it musically and emotionally as well so you know it, it, it's funny because i i love that conversation of, of like figuring out what side of the fence people are on because i find it fascinating to see like just how far in the process people want to be like some of the artists i've worked with like you even say the word mix down and they they run they run out of the studio they've got a meeting <laughs> they've got a, like a, they've, yeah they've or, or they're just like i don't care like I, make it sound good i'm i'm going to a meeting goodbye <laughs> i've got a lunch somewhere in two hours yeah. <laughs> like come back come, i'll come back when it's done like thanks call it's me a lot of work it's a lot yeah of- it is it is and you know, even for, you know, engineers like myself, like even when I'm mixing my own stuff, it's still like a case of like, why am I doing this to myself? Like it's, it's, it's just torture every time, it's a torture. you know, it it's really a- is. And especially if you've got a full album that you've just done in the last yeah. year as well, like you don't even want to think about that. Yeah. I mean, it was a pretty um, quick, it was a, we, uh, Matthew didn't, didn't take much to, to, um, to mix the whole album out, but um, we kind of run through the whole music again, and there were some revisions to go and to do. Um, some of them they were just amazing, sounding amazing at, at the first take, but some of them have to be reviewed because, as you said, sometimes it's very different when you make the music uh, to when you actually give it to someone else that maybe is seeing things that you feel different and something in the music is changing and if that is changing sometimes the message is changing and you have to review that so it's not it's, sometimes it's not as easy as it looks but that's part of the process so at the end of the day it is just always like this compromise between the composer music producer and uh, and the engineer mm-hmm. 
No, definitely, definitely. So I'm interested in this album and, and what the the concept and the sound and the flow of it is. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course, yeah. Satisfy my curiosity about it. I'm very excited, especially because Squire has always been making um, dance floor music, basically. Um, whether it's more deep house or techno, at the end of the day, is to make people dance, to make people feel a certain feeling in a spot of being with community and dancing, sharing their feelings. That's what Squire is. That's what the project, because I feel that is. And, and I love electronic music and I will keep on, of course, doing dance records. And uh, I really am really dying to, 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 to play. But um, I thought if I was heading towards an album project, I thought I had to, to think it differently. And by that, I mean, like, I had to do something more personal, more conceptual, more experimental, something that surprises myself, and I guess the listeners as well. So that's why, first of all, it was the, be the best moment for me to do it was during the quarantine period. Mm -hmm. um, so we were at home, and the album is called Stop. So that's why <laughs> I called it Stop, because everyone had to stop at some point. And um, it was it came very naturally, very organic. There was no hu hush or hurry to, to go somewhere or to finish or to, you know, there was no deadline. So I took it really, really, really calm. And the music itself, it's a bit of everything. I think there's only one or two maximum. Yeah, there's two dance floor tracks, but the rest are all maybe pop and down tempo. There's one more like a break beat, upbeat, but all the music is organized with, um, with a purpose from track one to track 10. And uh, there's like a beautiful intro with all these piano chords. Well, I, I think they're beautiful. And um, I've worked with a lot of um, singers on this album, which I'm super happy because they come from the opera world, the pop world, and they've kind of helped me out to open I, like my mind to new genres and new styles of music. So I think it's like, a new version of Squire, which I was really looking for. I was very, very looking, like, I was really, really um, inspired by, like, this alternative pop kind of, I don't know if you've seen, if you watched the, the film Drive, mm. the soundtrack of that, that film is like, oh, yeah. I love this right. called Chromatics. And ah, Tick of the Clock, right? Amazing, yeah. amazing track, amazing. So... You know, I've played a lot with, with uh, like, analog gear, MOOC synthesizers, arpeggios, and all of that warmth, I feel, it's in there. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I'm very, very proud of how it ended up. Matthew did an incredible job with uh, mixing. I mean, I, I never thought my music could sound this good. Even though I'm sure there's still room to improve, but I, I'm really happy how it sounds already. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, the only thing is that I don't know 
where and when I will publish it. That's the only okay. thing. Because um, mm-hmm. now it's like very strange, you know, like when you had released a, a record with Celador, Dave Siemens label at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, it was a dance floor record and I was really looking forward to release it. But it's like difficult because you you, you don't know who's going to play it, where, because clubs are shut down and mm. people can't dance. So it's kind of, you know, a bit frustrating nowadays. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. There's a few things to unpack there. First of all, I'm a good, I'm a good friend of Dave's. Know Dave very okay. well. I've also yeah. released on Salador myself in the past. Oh, nice. And uh, actually, like um, the, the closest person in Salador that I'm really close to is actually Steve. You've met Steve, Steve. Parry. Yeah, super nice. Yeah. So Steve is from the same town in Liverpool where I'm from. And oh, okay. Exact, correct, full, true story. Steve Parry gave me my first ever DJ gig. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then years later... I returned the favour because I was working at a college in Liverpool teaching music production. I taught Steve music production. And uh, we worked together on a number of his records, actually. Like, I did, like, the same thing as, you know, what what your guy's doing for for mixing and stuff. I did, like, engineering and mixing for Steve and stuff like that for some of his releases on Bedrock and stuff like that. And it was really, really cool. So, yeah, me and Steve go back a long, long way, like, over 20 years, like. And you were talking before about... Yeah, before we started recording about like vinyl and how cool it was, like, you know, to have like, you know, that exclusive record that like no one else had. Steve was like the guy in Liverpool for that back in the day because he used to work in one of the iconic record shops here. So I got to know Steve by being a complete pain in his ass basically really? i just go in at like 18 19 years of age like i'm <laughs> how, how far back i'm going i'm 41 now News. <laughs> and i'm literally just like come on give me it give me it give me it and like you know i just basically just you know just tormented him into like giving me like exclusive records and little white labels and under the counter stuff and that's <laughs> kind of how i got started in the industry really oh, wow. and then you know, I actually own my own record shop for a while and I was all in that culture and stuff like that. So yeah. it's so funny that you're releasing with like Steve and Dave, like, cause they're, they're such like close buddies of mine. Yeah. Like. yeah I mean, I think they're, they're, you know, they're eminency. They're amazing. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm very proud to have released on Teledor. Actually, it's a label that I've always supported and liked mm-hmm. what they've done and and, you know, uh, the record, unfortunately, it didn't maybe go the way I expected, to be honest, because probably it's not the right time, as I was saying before, it's not the right time to release electronic dance floor music at the, at the moment, because I know these were, I would play 100% the music I've released on Senator, but I can't play it because there's no way mm. to play it. And I guess this is the same situation for many artists at the moment. Mm. No, but, it is totally... Um, but yeah, I mean, they they've treated me really, really well. They they look amazing people, super professional, and yeah, looking forward to work yeah. with them. Yeah, this this hopefully Dave's listening to this. That'll give him the push to actually get sure. him on the podcast. I've been asking him, I've been pestering him for the, since the beginning of the year. It's like, Dave, come on the podcast, come on, mate, come on. He's an, he's a really interesting guy. He's got great taste in films as well. Actually, like he's really into films okay. and stuff. So I really want to pick his brains about film and stuff. But yeah, it's 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 right, man. I mean, I personally have almost like completely held off on releasing new music. Um, I've had a very different story to you because I've kind of really focused on like 
helping other people through the pandemic through this platform and you know uh, mentoring people and coaching people and that's been really enriching it's been really necessary because it's kind of given me something to focus on but like you mentioned after the album finished you were like sort of completely dry creatively and you needed to take like a break like i've been there for almost the whole pandemic because i need I need to be going off to Ibiza. I need to go to Amsterdam. I need to have like, I need experiences in life that give me something to bring back into the studio and that I can write about. 100%. For me, didn't didn't happen for me. So if I'm like staring at the same four walls every day, it's like sooner or later, that's just going to run out. So I just put my focus on other people. Have finished a few tracks, but I've, I've held them back, quite frankly, until the right time. And hopefully over the next, you know, six months, a year or something, you know, I'll get back to releasing on a, on a regular schedule because, you know, it's more relevant and I can actually see from different parts of the world that, you know, people are reacting to music when DJs play them and, you know, everything else. So yeah. I totally I totally agree with you. So, you know, is, is that the plan with the album then is to maybe just sort of wait and see, see what happens with it and then release it at what you think the right time is? Yeah, I think that's the idea. I mean, there's no deadline and there's no, like, rush to release this because why, we should, why you should release mm-hmm. it now? So... I think we're going to wait. I think this is the best um, logical move to to do. And as you said, you know, you need inspiration to keep on going, to keep on running. I think we are running through a very difficult moment for for the music industry. And hopefully we're back on track soon. I think people are dying to listen to music in community, to experience and enjoy music again. And hopefully very soon we are back in there. No, absolutely. We had our first test events here last, uh, not last weekend, the weekend before. Mm. Um, I think in the last couple of weeks there, uh, we had a uh, Yousef put two, two nights on at oh, yeah, uh, yeah. 3,000 oh. 3, each. And apparently the results are very, very positive where yes. that's concerned. But just to actually see people in a, what we would call like a normal situation... Yeah. It has been just, it's been beautiful to watch. I mean, I didn't attend, but I watched from afar and was just like, thank thank God. Like, thank yeah. God this is happening again. And yeah. we're moving towards something. And, you know, I had um, Josh Butler on the podcast recently, who's, who's, a, who's a friend of mine, and he's out in New Zealand and he's been playing to like full houses in New Zealand for months now. Like they've been back to normal for nearly like most of the most of this year, yeah. And like even Josh said, like the first gig that he played in New Zealand after it all, he said I was so nervous, like I was so anxious because I hadn't played a record in a year to people, and yeah, then then it's like I've not actually been in a room with this many people at the same time. <laughs> so I feel I feel weird about that. Yeah. And I said to him, well, how did, how did it unfold? And he went, ah, after I played my first couple of records, it was like, fine, back to normal, everyone's <laughs> happy, you know? So it's amazing how quickly we adjust back, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think, I think we, all need, we all need that because at, at the end of the day, it's nice to share the, the music with, with the people who really want to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, I completely understand whenever you're there for the first record, you're like, okay, I need to re-understand how to play music, but obviously you never forget that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's interesting, isn't it? But um, so, yeah, in terms of um, like, you know, you mentioned before about Moog synthesizers and stuff. Like, I'm really fascinated into what your setup is. And, you know, are you predominantly hardware? Are you more plug-in based? Like, what's the what's the Squire setup at the moment? Well, I use a bit of everything, to be honest. Um, I used to have more hardware stuff in the past, but I've unfortunately, I should have not sold it. But I, I did it because I thought like, okay, you know, like the monopoly, the Korg Monopoly, which is like a very classical mm. synthesizer. And I didn't use it much uh, because kind of my music was more colorful and pads and synth lines that didn't really go along with that synth. But, and I thought, okay, I have the plug-in version and so on. And, and it's just, because my, I don't have a really big studio, but now I have another studio where I'm here and I'm going to build one here. So I, I've, I should have never, um, I should have never sold that synth. And another synth I, I used to have, but I think at some point of your life, you're going to plug them in again and make them sound and maybe you struck something out from them. So these machines are beautiful because you touch them first of all, and, and that's mm. the whole point. You touch something and it's an instrument, you play with it and instruments are amazing. They they react in a certain way that a plugin, even if the algorithm and the designer design of the plugin is, is created in a certain way, might ne- might not ever do because it doesn't have the, the circuits and the, you know, and the, and the electricity that that maybe the 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 other hardware have. So I use I use both. I use both. I use a lot my Voyager, Moog Voyager, which is a great synthesizer for bass lines. I love the Virus TI desktop. Um, I use it a lot, a lot for melodies, arpeggios. I literally just bought one. Uh, okay. over the pandemic and the joke that has been going on for the last few weeks is hopefully this is the only virus i get during the pandemic which <laughs> 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 is such a stupid like dad joke yeah. but i can't help but make it yeah, but yeah i i adore those things because like from my time working with sasha like that was such a, a huge part of his sound and you know just to just to have, as i say i've got the ti polar now the the actual with the keyboard yeah. and uh, like you say like just to have that in front of you and just to be able to physically touch it it brings like an inspiration that doesn't really happen when it comes to plugins really yeah exactly and um, i have a juno 60 actually and it sounds amazing i love it um i run all these things through a preamp because i just like a little bit more tube feeling and it has like more warmth and sounds better and i have a couple of drum machines as well who i also you know, pass it through the, the, the preamps and they sound kind of bigger and better. Um, and I love the Omnisphere as a plugin. I think it's super complete and it gives you the possibility to play around many, you know, like many parameters and it's it's great. And there are many, many other plugins, of course. We would be here talking about this till tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to kind of hear that balance, right, between hardware and software. And, and and honestly, it's it's mostly about finding what works for you because I do think that the, the the sound of plugins now compared to hardware, the gap is is certainly a lot smaller than it used to be. 
and certainly to the untrained ear like a lot of people really now like especially on dance floors they can't really tell the difference so you know for me i think it's a, a case of what works for you in your creative process yeah rather than what it used to be which was clearly like hardware is better than software but yeah. you know you have to be able to afford to have it and the space and everything mm. so it's cool so you mentioned ableton is that still the main daw for you yeah yeah i use ableton because it's like it's been there forever i've been using this since the first day i started to make music mm-hmm. um i've tried other um softwares but I don't feel the freedom of creativity that I have and that I feel I can have with Ableton. So that's why I've been stuck to Ableton forever. And I use them as well. I can use it on, 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 on while I'm flying in an airplane or while I'm at the airport as well with my laptop. So it's super easy to use and it's very kind of systematic you know it just mm. everything makes sense mm. very happy with it no totally yeah yeah it's been something i've been using for a long time as well i think my first version of live was something like live three or something like that like yeah. way way back in the day yeah. like back before it would even like load in like mp3s it was like wav only like yeah. you had to warp everything yourself manually like it wouldn't even try and predict yeah. what it is that you're trying to do so it's amazing to think like how far it's come yeah. And, you know, for me, like the, the, the actual thing that's really made a huge difference for me has been the push controller. I absolutely adore that thing. I think it's amazing. And it actually makes Ableton as a DAW feel like a piece of hardware because there's long passages when I'm working within Ableton with the push where I don't even look at the computer. Like I'm just looking at the hardware. I'm looking at the controller and I'm controlling it like, you know, a drum machine or you know, a Moog Voyager or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, a lot of my arrangements tend to be more like kind of long form sort of live jams that I do Mm. within Ableton that I kind of then stitch together with automation rather than it being something that I'll sit in a chair and kind of go, right, so this goes here and this goes here in the next eight bars. And I find that my music, like there's there's a place for that, absolutely. But I find personally my music gets a little bit, predictable when i arrange yeah. that way so one of the things that ableton's really given me is that ability to almost like perform my tracks live but in a studio setting which i think is really yeah cool. yeah wow that's that's interesting i i work um with a session view mm-hmm. in in ableton because this this permits me i mean i would love to to do live and i obviously would, would love to play my album live mm-hmm. um in the future but I, I love to work in a in the Ableton's session view because I can feel like I have the control of every stem and I can kind of not to be as exact as I want to be. Mm-hmm. I work a lot with layers. Like if I if I am trying to get this certain sound on a snare, I work maybe with three or four different snares or claps or clicks that make it sound in a different way and try to isolate some frequencies. And Ableton gives me the possibility to be so quick on working on those and to change maybe the timings. Uh, So trying to be not as mathematical as possible to make it feel more sound, more organic, more unpredictable Mm. (laughs) in that way. And um, 
I feel like when music doesn't sound unpredictable or less mathematical, it has this human element that makes it sound more organic in a way. Mm. And I love that. I, I really, I really enjoy trying to get that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I think it's really interesting you say that because I mean, I often say this to like, you know, when I give feedback to people when I listen to tracks, like, because we do on our platform, we do like monthly community kind of like track feedback sessions where we all give each other kind of like, you know, constructive feedback on tracks and how to improve and stuff. And it's, it's always a good time. And it's, it's a funny thing because like I can always hear now when someone's been, as you said, very sort of mathematical with things like automation, where they've kind of just drawn it in with the mouse compared yeah. to tracks that have, you know, had automation done to them live using controllers or live yeah. on a synthesizer, for example, because it always feels more dynamic. It always feels yeah. more, more human, right? And more natural. And there's more of a vibe to it where, you know, I, I like the, the way I say it is like, I like music that is not polite. Like yeah. I always like tracks that feel a little bit kind of like, again, a bit predictable. Couch. I always call them. Yeah. It's like, I, I have this stupid way of talking about it. It's like, I feel like this track is coming out of the speakers and kind of shaking me by the hand and asking me how my weekend was. Whereas <laughs> what I want it to do is jump out and basically just like punch me in the face as hard as possible. Like I want it to really hit me. I want it to be more impactful and not more, more aggressive, I suppose, or yeah. just more, more dynamic and more, more like a human has made it rather than an algorithm in a way. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. So talk to me about musical influences because I know you've been into this music for a long, long time and you were talking about how it was even running parallel when you got into the Red Bull development program, like right at the start of your career. So, so what was like, was there a record that made you go, yeah, this is it. This, this is this is what I'm into, and this is what I'm going to spend my life listening to. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I, I think um, while you grow and you are being educated in values, um, while you are kind of developing as a human being and as a professional, you are maturing, and you are probably as well and listen to different music. You have different influences. I am one of those guys that believe that that you have to go out of your comfort zone and you have to always try to um, discover a new group or a new sound or something that something that you know something that surprises you and you're like, how did these guys, those guys this made made this sound. Maybe you were maybe you wouldn't do it. Maybe you wouldn't go for it. But you're like, wow, they were really aggressive on doing that, and this is challenging, and this is cool. So just to get an idea, I've been listening a lot to RNS Records. Mm -hmm. I love the label because they've been disruptive. You know, mm -hmm. they've been super disruptive, and that's what I love. From 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 record labels and from embracing music, that you are not looking for a certain sound, you're looking for uh, freedom, creativeness, but but also for surprises, you know, for mm. something that is breaking the rule. And um, when I was a kid, of course, I was listening. When I started playing, 
I was listening to Carl Cox, to Miss Kidding, to DJs that were very famous in, in Ibiza. This is what we have, Laurent Garnier, techno, electropop artists that they used to play in at space. You would hear them at, uh, in the radio. I was a good friend of uh, Ibiza's global radio um, uh, boss and founder, and we were playing together, and I couldn't go to clubs. My first my first gig was actually in, in, in Dal Villa, in the center of Ibiza, when I was 16. It was a gay club, and I played there for like half an hour. I played my two first records. And uh, I was like super excited already. And, and from there, you kind of start to get into electronic music and start listening to all the mix tapes and, and DJ sets from your kind of first influences that you get, that you've been getting to music. Uh, but then you realize that, that there's like much more music behind and you kind of try to understand what you're looking for and who you are. Because as we said before, music is describing yourself. So you discover like James Holden, Nathan Fake, and all these old old school guys, and you are then. I am a very indie pop fan. I love London Grammar. I love Eighty mm-hmm. Three. Um, then I discovered uh, in two thousand and three. I discovered uh, two thousand six or seven. I discovered Moby, and this was like, oh my god, this guy is he's a hero. Like he's a legend. So if you ask me for a record that I would never forget, it would be, of course, uh, the 1998 album, uh, Play the B-Sides from Moby, uh, which is one of the main tracks, of course. It is Porcelain. I think that's like definitely a big yeah. so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, love, I love this guy. I mean, he's, everything he does is magic. It's like her feelings. I feel my music is very, very influenced from, from Moby, especially... Because he's trying to get this, like, uh, very epical strings and pads and atmospheres. I feel my sound is very atmospheric. I try to create this kind of environment feeling. Uh, Matthew always, my mix engineer, always tells me that I put too much energy on the mid-range because that's those areas where the pads are laying and because I love this kind of tension behind and moving the chords and the pads all the time in that area, it's like creating that flow of, 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 of you know, of flying into the music, like getting inside the music. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Moby. I love Radiohead. I love uh, many groups that have been influenced my life but of course not at the same time so mm. i'm trying to discover new new sounds new groups new ways of making music that are inspiring for me to then have better ideas mm. and, and, and at the end we don't have to hide ourselves we are just copying other people that's the whole story i mean I've, i'm not any genius i just make music the, the best way i can but i'm kind of replicating what I feel, what I hear, how I represent it, how I embrace that sound, and then create it, because this has been inspired for me. I've been inspired for something else, even if it's not music, even if if I see the blue sky from Barcelona right now, 
and I have this idea coming and I replicate it in, in frequencies in music. So, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. And it, it makes total sense that you set into like the whole chromatics thing from the Drive soundtrack because there's that lovely transition, isn't there, from the really amazing beats into those really gorgeous, amazing pads that just seem to hang in the air in that moment like just so great so tense so emotional but like so kind of warm and they kind of just wash over you right it's so cool it's amazing yeah it's amazing track track. yeah yeah and and, 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 i'm kind of very similar in a lot of ways it's it's funny speaking to you and listening to your story because like you know about like you know you were djing before you were going to clubs and stuff and you know, you were learning and playing for yourself and playing with friends. It's exactly the same story for me. Like, I'd already learnt to DJ by the time I first got into a club. And, you know, you had Ibiza on your doorstep, but I had cream in Liverpool, like literally 10 minutes away from my house. So it was like, you know, the way English people go to a pub on a Friday or Saturday night, I didn't go to the pub. I went to cream. (laughs) Like, that was my education. Like, that was my church to an extent and that's where i kind of really got my education you know um but it's it's so totally true and you know i i try and sort of straddle because as we mentioned before we were we were on air that you know i was i've kind of worked in the film industry quite a bit as well so my sound is sort of like on that edge of i'm trying to bring elements of film scoring into dance music like that's what i'm into i'm trying to bring the orchestral sound i'm trying to bring that electronic element to it and you know my thing is like i'm trying to make my music as cinematic as possible like that's like that's what really lights me on fire is try and bring those influences in and you're right in what you're saying that you know we're all just versions of everything that we like you know yeah. we're, we're not we're not original you know and i see so many artists kind of like completely destroy themselves because they're not like completely reinventing the wheel and it's mm. like well the wheel's already been invented dude just make your music like it's, yeah it's not it's not a problem yeah exactly totally yeah totally yeah. totally so i'm looking forward to hear the album because like now i know some of the influences behind it i'm 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 really really interested in it so you know hopefully it'll uh it will see the light of day in the next few months as things hopefully start to improve worldwide and you know you can start getting back out on the road and you know i know you mentioned you, you're heading back into racing or you're already back into racing is that yeah. going to be like in combination are you going to try and get out and play some gigs soon and stuff to like that on, as well to, to be honest i don't believe i don't believe in that i think uh it's I don't think it's the best to combine it with with uh, a tour, and, and if you do something, you have to commit for that. But of course, there is a lot. Like we've been running through a very strong, and, and the pandemic hit very hard to the music business. And to stay at home for so many days with uh, without the light, without seeing the light, and knowing when this whole thing is going to restart. Which I understand, you know, we're running every, the whole world is under war with a virus that we have to be brave and we have to be clever enough to, to, to finish it all together. Of course, we have to work in community, but for us that we are in the music industry that have been affected, probably our business have been most affected or more affected than other areas and other businesses. Um, it's important that we have that we 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 still feel inspired by something that something drives us uh, towards the future. And for me, racing because I love race, I still love driving. 
um, is something that inspires me. So I thought, okay, what happens if I'm back in a go-kart and I'm still competitive and I still feel it? So I'm just, you know, I'm back in racing, but in a very with a very different mentality from what I used to have back when I was 20 years old. Um, I want to be competitive. I want to be in the front. I want to win. That that's never changing. <laughs> but um, I, I want to enjoy. I mean, I, I want to have fun. If I don't win, it's not the end of the world. My job is to make music. I enjoy making music. I love my job. Um, and then we will see. I mean, it's it's not going to go forever. Um, I'm back into racing now for a period of time. I don't know what will happen, to be honest. I think no, nobody, nobody knows, um, unfortunately. I really hope this is over. I really hope 2022 is the year of recovery, is the year that we can already, you know, we can hug each other and we can kiss to each other and we can be back to where we were. And then we will take it from there. But in the meantime, it's important that we keep focused, we keep happy, we keep motivated. So for me, going back to racing and driving, it's a way to keep that momentum happening and not falling apart in a way. Mm. No, totally, totally. And I think there's there's been a lot made over the last year, and I've seen this a lot as you know, being a, a mentor and a coach to people in this industry. There's been a lot made of like, you know, you have to make the most of this time. You should be making all of these tracks and, you know, you should be hustling and working harder than ever in the studio because when it all opens back up again, like you'll be in the front. And, you know, uh, the opposite is actually what I'm hearing from a lot of artists. It's like it's gone on for so long now. Like you were saying, like again with the end of your album creation, it's like, well, I've got I've got nothing to write about, I've got nothing to say, and I think it's important to actually say to people listening that that's okay. Like, you know, don't worry that you're not making music at the moment because there's there's nowhere for it to be played. Like as you mentioned before, like you can release music to keep yourself kind of you know in people's minds, but you know these releases are probably not going to go as well as they could do under normal circumstances. So it's perfectly fine to take a break. It's perfectly fine to take some time for yourself and maybe even go and do something else for a while and then come back to it as things start to improve and you start to feel inspired again. It's totally fine to take a break. Yeah. I think it's the, the wisest decision. and you, don't, you can't not really ask too much like in this period of time. Um, and, and probably that this, this is what helps me to finish the album because I was worried I was not really, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I never, this was my first album project and when you, whenever you do things for the first time, you actually ask yourself what's going to happen. So I took it very like easily, step by step and flowing with what I feel every day in the studio. When I finished that, I just didn't have any other story to tell. So that's why I that's why I said okay, shut it down and uh, make the album finish. It's not a problem of having fifteen or sixteen tracks. It's a problem of having the right tracks, mm. the right songs, and um, and that's why I decided to lower it down to ten. I had more music, but at some point I I thought okay, I, I have explained 
a sufficient story that people understand what's going on, what's happening in here. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I think it's 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 so refreshing to hear that because again, like, there's very much a like a hustle culture within dance music of like you should always be making music and you should always be releasing music and i don't think that's the healthiest way to be and i also don't think it's the most creatively rewarding it's not the way to actually fulfill your potential as an artist i mean i've mentioned this on a number of episodes of the podcast but there's a there's a famous interview with david bowie and he had like a very long gap between albums. Like I think he went like 10 or 12 years between albums at one stage in his life. And a journalist asked him in an interview, like, why is it taking you so long to make this album? And David Bowie just looked at him flat and just said, I had nothing to say. Sure. <laughs> like you expect me, like of all people to make an album when I've got nothing to write about. Like it's not going to happen. Like, yeah. and that's all the best artists do. It's like, I've got nothing to say. So I'm going to go off and maybe live my life for a while yeah. so I can come back into the studio and have something to write about. You know? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Indeed, um, indeed. So what's on the, uh, on the near horizon for you? Are you, uh, are you, are you heading back towards the studio in, in the near future? Are you focusing on racing? What's the next sort of six months or the rest of 2021? Hold well, from, I'm my very excited actually because I'm back in the studio. I've been out for like almost two months mm-hmm. and um, I'm back into making dance floor music because I feel like I really want to dance. <laughs> so I, I really want to be in the club and festivals again. So I, the only party I can have is myself on my own in my studio. So <laughs> I, I've been working on new tracks. Um, I'm launching a new label called Anims. I'm really looking right. for that. We are releasing the first release uh, on July this year. Um, from Spanish artists and hopefully with a remix from Luca Lessi. He's done a remix for me on, on a release on Mobile and he's like a very, I really like his music and um, I'm really looking forward to hear his version of this original version of of, of the first release in Anims. And Anims has um, a beautiful story, I guess, behind because we are like a platform of, um, a communication platform on one side, a record label on the other. Uh, we're trying to um, we're trying to host a TV show where we invite uh, one um, we, we we have two guests. One is coming from the sports world, and the other one is coming from the culture world, being related to a chef or a designer um, or a musician. And we want to tell stories about motivation and personal growth. So what we want to hear from these two guests is their own personal story that they've lived through tough moments they've been experienced in their life. Mm. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that because I have a story to tell, but it's not about me. It's about Anims. It's about a project that wants to inspire people and wants to animate people. Anims is coming from a a Spanish-Catalan word called uh, cheer up. Basically, in English, it means like, come on, go, go, do it, cheer up. So when something is not working, you you would push someone to kind of give him support, right? You you just want him to feel positive. So you say animes, come on, animes, animos, va. And and that's why I thought this would be a nice word of uh, inspiring people. So 
we tell and we explain, uh, I guess, inspiring and motivational stories through a platform called Anims. And then the record. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. And yeah, we're here to, to do I'm, I'm excited for you and I love the concept and, you know, anything we can do here at NYT, because NYT stands for Make Your Transition, it is about, you know, moving from where you are to where you want to be in life. And that's not just musically, that's overall. So, you know, we're focused on like our tagline is like, you know, become the best artist you can be by becoming the best version of yourself because they are not exclusive things. They're not separate things. You know, you can't do one without doing the other, you know, and we try and kind of break the myth of like, you know, artists that, you know, oh, they must be like a, you know, a tortured kind of like mad genius in order to make good music. And it's it's not the case at all. You know, I've always said that if I'm not in the best frames of mind, like you can't even get me in a studio, never mind making my best music. So it's just, it's not true at all. Like you have to be, you have to be in the best position you can be. So, you know, we, we look at everything not just the music production side, we look at mindset, we look at people's personal growth stories. Mm. So there's a lot of parallels between what you're going to do with Anims and what we're looking at. So anything that we can do to support you guys, thank you. Just ask 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 away dude because I'm I'm more than happy to put my weight behind anything that's going to create positive change, not just in the music industry, but also in life in general. Thanks. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Do. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. We should do this again sometime, and hopefully, we should to do it in person. At some yeah, point. yeah. Why not? I'm sure we will meet in person somehow. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for this today, mate. This Thank has you been so absolutely much, fantastic. It's been amazing. So yeah. Thank you. So, My yeah, Speak to you soon. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Thank you, Paul. Well, I'll tell you what, we packed a hell of a lot into an hour and 10 minutes there. I was just amazed by just how passionate Jamie is about motorsport, dance music, production, DJing, and how it's just been such an integral part of his life. You know, he's literally been going to Ibiza from Barcelona, where he's from, since he's he was a child. So his whole life has kind of been a deep immersion into electronic music and you know like i said to him i was surprised when i i heard that he he loved electronic music so much because you know normally when you meet sports people or you listen to them they've normally got crap taste in music quite frankly because well they don't really have a lot of time because they're so you know really wrapped up and committed to their art so so refreshing to meet someone like jamie you know he's done incredible things in his life he's he's actually participated in sport at the absolute highest have highest levels you know formula one is so elite it's unbelievable to even have an opportunity to have you know a look at formula one as a as a form of sport and form of competition is is just a massive massive thing and for him to undergo this wonderful second life if you will as a as a musician as a producer as a dj is just wicked and you know i think he he dropped quite a few truth bombs there in terms of you know creative process and everything else and i can't wait to hear his album which will hopefully see the light of day in the next few months once things start to open up again as they are a little bit more here in england i hope it is wherever you are too and we are getting back to some sense of normality Anyway, that will do it 
for today. If you've enjoyed this and you're listening for the first time, please do consider giving us a follow now as it is on Apple Podcasts. You know, giving us a follow and giving us a share on social media. Make you our transition on Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Paul Nolan Sound. And if you're interested in watching the video version of this and every single episode of Beyond the Studio, we're on YouTube as well. So give us a subscribe on YouTube as well because we're putting up a lot of video there at the moment. Lots of knowledge coming that way as well. So go to youtube.com forward slash make your transition and you will find us right there. And if you're interested in our courses, getting help with your music, taking your music to the next level, at being just the best artist you can be by being the best version of yourself as we mentioned through the podcast and we mention every episode we're primarily interested as you in you as an artist and we are predominantly interested in you as a human being as well we're interested in helping you become the best version of yourself because if we do that with enough people the world changes and it becomes a much better place and also the music that we get to enjoy just gets so much better so that's what we're all about here if that sounds like it's of interest to you then head over to our website www.transition.studio all information on there you can join as a AAA member for just £1 for the first 7 days and then it's a nice low monthly subscription from there and we often offer deals for 6 and 12 month memberships so please do take advantage of that and come and join our growing movement come and join our wonderful culture where we're getting B-Port number 1s high B-Port placings Radio 1 play left right and centre at the moment it's a fantastic community to be part of and it would be a wonderful privilege for me to help you help yourself to become the best music producer you can be anyway that will do it for this week i'm looking forward to speaking to you again in next week's episode but that'll do it for today stay safe enjoy yourself wherever you are in the world much love speak soon